Good Friday morning, everybody. What's going on? It's too early in the morning to be doing this shit. I swear, I am, like, exhausted. I'm sitting here drinking coffee and waiting to make the long morning commute from the kitchen to my bedroom to start my work day. But, uh, we gotta get some content out, man. January... December and January were not very kind to us here at Steel Toes and Scoreboard, so we just, uh, we gotta get some stuff out there. And, uh, I'm gonna start by addressing the elephant in the room halfway. Before that, before I get started, uh, appreciate your support always. You can find our catalog anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, we appreciate the support. Uh, second of all, before I get started, uh, I've got a whole, I've got a, I've got a, a fuck ton mess here on my kitchen table. So, so I'm not busting out any of the nice recording equipment. We are going to, uh, do this right off my phone on the Podbean app, which I, I tend to use from time to time. So, uh, this will be a short firm episode, obviously. So. The audio quality might not be up to par as the normal episodes since I'm doing this on my phone, as I've been known to do from time to time, but, excuse me, we're just going to have to roll with it. Uh, for the next little bit here on Steel Toes and Scoreboards, things might change just uh, just a hair. Uh, not going to go into a whole lot of detail other than uh, we will be back uh, running at full speed, at full strength. Uh, in the near future, uh, Kurt's had something come up. He's going to be taking just a very brief, hopefully, sabbatical from the show. Uh, so unless Ethan can chime in, since he's kind of the third counterpart here, it's just going to be me for a couple weeks. So the format might change a little bit. Uh, we were supposed to be doing our first full-length episode this weekend of the, of the year. That's obviously not going to happen now. Uh so I'm gonna have to make some minor adjustments to the show. Uh, so bear with me as I have proved that, at least in my mind, I can't do this show without Kurt. But we are damn sure we are damn sure going to try uh, because for whatever we've not put out hardly any content in the month of January, and we still have hit 100 downloads for the month, over 100. So. Uh, which means we're still getting listens without content, without new content, which means for whatever reason, you guys are sticking with us. And, uh, I, I appreciate that. So, and, and they have no fear. Like I said, Kurt's just had a little something come up. He's got to take care of. He's going to be, you know, away from the show just for a brief little bit. And, uh, puss, I don't know if you'll hear this or not, but, uh, I fucking love you, dog. I love the hell out of you. Uh, you're one of my best friends, and uh, I love you, brother. And, and anyways, all right. Let's uh, enough about that. Let's let's roll on. So it's it's uh, Friday morning, January twenty seventh, and uh, I'm just going to do an abbreviated weeknight chronicles version. Just uh, there's not a whole lot of newsworthy stuff out there, but there is some sports news out there. So. We're just going to put a little content out here today, uh, give an abbreviated version. And, and I'm going to start with uh, the UFC because I'm going to start with uh, one of my favorites of all time, one of the one of the best of all time, and that's Jose Aldo, who dominated the 145-pound featherweight division of the UFC for, for a long time. Uh, in fact, he is the longest reigning UFC featherweight champion in history, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he will be going into the UFC Hall of Fame. Now, he retired back in September. Uh, he lost his uh, last fight. He had moved down 10 pounds to the 135-pound bantamweight division. Uh, it was rumored that maybe if he had won that fight, maybe he got in title contention one more time. As you know, he, he dominated the UFC. and dominated that division. And then, uh, in 2015, he ran into a fucking buzzsaw named Conor McGregor, who knocked his ass out in 13 seconds. 
And uh, Connor, to me, was still not that – Connor wasn't that well-known. I mean, Connor had been on the come-up, but I don't think Connor was on everybody's radar until that knockout of Jose Aldo. Uh, Aldo was, was just a dominant – was just uh, – was dominant, you know, he fought in the uh, WEC, which for those of you that don't know, and I'm not big, I'm not as big into MMA now as I was from like the Force Griffin era, the 05, you know, relaunch and boom period up until about 10 years ago, but although come up from the WEC, uh, I believe uh, he won his first title when he knocked out Mike Brown, okay, and then he, he, from there was an eight year period there from when I was a senior in high school from like 2006 to like 2014 2013 where he uh he had like a record seven title defenses uh he just uh I would probably put him in the goat conversation for featherweight I don't know how everybody else would feel uh but he's he's gonna be in in good company because uh if you look at the uh, the Hall of Fame of, of, of recent years of, of the more modern types of guys that have come out in the Forrest Griffin era, you've got guys like Forrest Griffin, like Sugar Rashad Evans, like BJ Payne, like the California Kid Uriah Fraber, Ronda Rousey, GSP, uh, Daniel Cormier. Um, so he's in good company. And every accolade he's got, he's earned. Uh, you know, Aldo was uh, impressive. He was a beast. I loved watching him in the cage, man, inside the octagon. He's just, uh, he was so smooth. Like, he made everything look. He made everything look so completely fucking flawless. And uh, hats off to a great career. You've you've earned your spot in uh, the UFC Hall of Fame. And uh, congratulations is in order. So, yeah. Now, we're, we're going to stick right here for a minute with... Uh, MMA and UFC and speaking of Conor McGregor uh, Conor's in some shit uh, over in Spain right now uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this uh, I heard about this yesterday and apparently the news has come out earlier this week I just first heard about it yesterday so Conor is Going through some shit over in Spain right now. He's being accused of physically assaulting a woman last summer in Ibiza. I took a pill in Ibiza. The show Avicii, I was cool. I cannot, every time I hear Ibiza, I cannot not think of that Mike Posner song. I took a pill in Ibiza. The show Avicii, I was cool. Anyways, uh, according to a newspaper in Spain, they released a report earlier this week with allegations from... A, a woman of Irish descent, like Connor, who said that the UFC superstar punched her and threatened to drown her at a party back in the summer on his boat. Now, originally, this case had been closed wherever it was ongoing. The case had been closed, but a judge recently ordered this case to be reopened after receiving more information about this uh for all intents and purposes right now, excuse me, coffee burp, uh, this alleged incident. Now, of course, Connor, as any famous rich pro athlete going to do, whether guilty or innocent, uh, Connor has denied it. His camp has denied it. Connor's spokesperson gave a comment to ESPN earlier in the week saying Connor is steadfast in his denial of all the accusations made by a guest on his boat. A guest. Now, right now, the woman is unnamed in this situation. Uh, I haven't found the name of it. I don't know how good other internet sleuths are. Uh, but right now, she she uh, she told the police initially, uh, after the incident happened, that it was not Conor McGregor, but it was another man on the boat who attacked her. Uh, this is coming from the Spanish news media. 
Well, what's interesting about this is because she didn't accuse Connor at that point, there was no case open against him in Ireland. Okay? But now it will be investigated in Ibiza in light of the change in allegations by the said victim. Now, the story goes that Connor was celebrating his birthteenth, uh, his birthteenth, his birthday, July sixteenth, at a club in Ibiza. Uh, the woman said she attended this party. Now, she said Connor invited her into his VIP lounge and then onto his yacht with his girlfriend and friends because. Connor apparently recognizes someone he knew from his neighborhood back in Dublin, Ireland. Well, then the stories goes now that the very next morning, uh, Connor just got aggressive for no reason and violent, and they're out in the middle of nowhere on this boat, and he punched her repeatedly in the stomach, punched her in the face, uh, charged after her, and threatened to drown her. So then this woman just jumps into the water, just jumps off the boat, and was rescued by just so happened to be a passing Red Cross boat. Now, the woman said she didn't accuse McGregor initially because she was in such a state of shock and panic, and she was wearing nothing but a bikini at the time, so she couldn't go to the police station to make a formal report, and she had no money or phone. She just wanted to get to her hotel in Ibiza safely and get the hell out of there as fast as possible. Now, reportedly, the courts in Spain are not given any more public details about this case other than what's out there. So, which brings me to the, could, do I believe this happened? Uh, as I've said in multiple, multiple episodes on this show, we're, we're in the middle of a, a Me Too and a woman's movement in this country, and rightly fucking so, man. Mistreatment of women uh, has been going on for a long time. I've been guilty of it in the past. Of uh, not being so nice and saying hurtful things and what have you. The point I'm making, though, is if if Connor did these things, Connor needs to be held accountable. Connor needs to be punished. But right now, it's another case, for all intents and purposes, of a he said, she said, with a rich, famous celebrity and just your average day person. And if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred fucking times on this show. Rich... Famous people are not held to the same standards that we are held to because they have money, they have power, and they're in the public eye. These motherfuckers get away with murder all the time. Look at OJ, did it and got away with it. I know some of you might be crackling and laughing right now and whatever. I mean, two people died in that case, but OJ, you tell me I'm wrong. OJ did it and got away with it. Glove don't fit. You know why the glove didn't fit? Because he probably injected his hands or he didn't take his uh, medication for a few days and his hands swelled up. Either case, whatever. But here, could I believe that this actually happened? Yes, I could believe this actually happened. Not because, you know, famous people and pro athletes do this all the time. Connor is a physically intimidating son of a bitch. Connor looks like the type, and I'm not trying to judge a book by its cover, but you tell me I'm wrong. Connor looks like the type of guy that could get so aggressive and just flip a switch like there's levels off in his body chemistry and his DNA makeup. Like he just looks like the type that can be prone to outbursts of violence. So, but, but again, even though we're, I'm shitting on the rich and famous crowds in the world, everybody in this, everybody in the world is guilty until proven in, or is innocent until proven guilty, I should say. I almost said guilty until proven. Everybody's innocent until proven guilty. Connor deserves a chance to to explain his his story, even though he's denying allegations. Uh, now, what does this do for Connor? I mean, like, what does this do for him and a potential MMA comeback and being in the public eye? And he's you know, the whole UFC and Dana White slapped the piss out of his wife on New Year's Eve. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It, um, it's definitely interesting. Uh, I don't really know what else to say about that. I just, I, honestly, and this sounds bad, when I first seen this story yesterday afternoon, I was like, not surprised. I'm not saying he's like Greg Hardy, 
of the Carolina Panthers, or what used to be the Carolina Panthers, now a fellow MMA fighter. I'm not saying he's like Greg Hardy, but I, I Connor's got a reputation. So I literally seen this and was just like, not shocked. But in all seriousness, if if these things happen to this woman, I hope she gets the, I hope she gets whatever she's seeking, justice, restitution, uh, Connor to go on a public speaking engagement about um, domestic violence incidents, what have you. So, uh, I'll keep you informed as always. We'll try it. You know, we, we, we do callbacks on the show. So, uh, any information comes out about this, I'll do my best to get it out to you guys. So now we're, we're going to pivot a little bit to, uh, boxing, which, uh, in the last year in, in 2022, we talked in 2022, we talked a lot of boxing. You know, I, I said we had, you know, the five biggest fights of the year on the calendar, uh, I have yet to break down what we know so far is going to happen about the biggest fights of 2023, but we're always down to talk boxing on this show, and um, where the fuck is my vape? I need a hit. Oh, here we go. Sorry. Need my tobacco juice. Uh, so, former heavyweight champion, one of the greatest to ever do it, Tyson's back in the news in the last couple of days. Uh. What can Mike Tyson possibly be in the news for? Rape. I know, you've heard this song and dance before, right? We've heard it all through the 90s and the 2000s. Again, for the second topic in a row, and as I've said a million times in the last two years on this show, uh, we're in the middle of a Me Too movement, a women's empowerment movement, and rightfully so, deservedly so. If uh, terrible things happen to these women, these women deserve justice. But as we also found out, uh, sometimes it's uh, not exactly true, as the whole Trevor Bauer situation that we've talked about at length here on multiple episodes this past year. Anyways, a woman has filed a lawsuit against uh, Iron Mike uh, because she claims he raped her sometime in the early 1990s uh, after she met him at a nightclub in Albany, New York. Now, I know what you're thinking, the 90s, this whole statute of limitations. Well, one of my favorite shows to watch is Law & Order SVU. Uh, During my lunch break, because I usually take about an hour lunch break, it's nice now that I'm working working from home a lot more now, almost every day of the week now. But uh, I usually sit down with the dog, and we watch Law & Order SVU. And there's a thing on there they've had on previous episodes. It's called the... New York's Adult Survivors Act. This is how this lawsuit against Tyson was filed. What this New York Adult Survivors Act is, it does is it gives sexual assault victims a one-year window to file lawsuits over assaults that happened years or even decades ago. So now this woman is suing Tyson for $5 million dollars She claims that he raped her in a limousine one night and that she has suffered from physical, psychological, and emotional damage for years, decades. Now, the affidavit does not provide an exact date for the attack, but it says that it only happened in the early 1990s. Now, what's not known is why is if she pursued criminal action at the time of the assault and if she didn't, why she didn't. Now, Tyson, because uh, he's former world heavyweight champion, he's one of the most famous people in the world. He's got a great podcast, by the way. Check out Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson. Uh, one of the, uh, as you guys all know, Eminem. I was in fifth grade when Eminem first dropped the Slim Shady LP. Uh, I mean, Eminem very rarely gives interviews. You guys know that. Uh, Eminem was on Mike Tyson's podcast. That's how big this is. And Eminem very rarely gives interviews. Uh, But anyways, great podcast, but that's not what we're talking about. Uh, The Tyson's camp has remained silent, as you probably would want to in this situation. Uh, Tyson has not personally, nor any of his people, have responded to the allegations or will even comment on the lawsuit. Now, the the AP uh, said that... uh, a comment was sent 
to the agency that represented him from Mike Tyson. Now, this woman is asking to remain anonymous to protect her privacy and prevent her from suffering further mental harm and harassment, which, okay, understandable. You know, the more your name gets out there in the public, the more people, you know, completely understandable. Uh, she said in her affidavit that she got in Tyson's limousine one night and the boxer, uh, he started touching her, fondling her, trying to kiss her. Uh, a direct quote from the anonymous woman said, uh, I told him no several times and asked him to stop, but he continued to attack me. The woman said, he then pulled my pants off and he violently raped me. Now this woman's attorney, uh, a guy named Darren Silback said a separate filing from his office investigated her allegations and determined that these are highly credible allegations. And he was unable to comment further on the case. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we all know, uh, of course, I was only six years old at the time, so I didn't really, you know, I didn't really discover a lot more about this until the late 90s after it happened. Uh, Tyson was convicted uh, of raping a beauty pageant a queen named Desiree Washington on February 10th, 1992. And that's when he served three years in prison, got out in 95, the big comeback, the Holyfield fights. Uh, Robin Gibbons, who was married to Mike Tyson, wonderful lady, she said in divorce papers that their late 80s marriage was, uh, how you could best sum it up, was Mike was uh, always capable of uh, unprovoked rages of violence and destruction. Uh, so I don't know what this happens to Tyson's career. I don't know what he does here. He's 56 years of age, 57, 56, 58, somewhere in there. Uh, I don't know what this does for his PR. I don't know what this does for his reputation. Uh, all I know is still to this day, he's a bad son of a bitch. Um, again, here's another one of these situations where, uh, trying to find the words. He, um, I mean, I, I guess it, it's innocent till proven guilty again, as it should be. But here you have a case where, you know, innocent till proven guilty, but this guy has a proven, convicted, sentenced to prison history of doing the same actions that this woman has just. Uh, brought a lawsuit against him for in the amount of $5 million. Um, I haven't found any more information about this as far as uh, if his podcast is going to get dropped. I don't know who his hosting is, where it's sourced from. Uh, I don't think it's Spotify only. I, well, I mean, I take it back. It could it could very well be. It could very well be. Um, but I don't know. Uh but there's a small part of me that that believes this woman's not fishing for anything. I legitimately believe this most likely happened, um, and that's a sad thing. No woman should ever, ever have to uh, deal with that and go through that, and that's just uh, wow. Uh, but I, I will keep you in tune with this again. Uh, I mean, I don't really want to give the guy a free plug. I mean, I did it earlier, but he does have one of the best podcasts in the world. Hot boxing with Mike Tyson. Uh, but if he raped this woman, the bastard deserves to be punished. So, uh, I'll keep you updated as always to the best of my abilities. Uh, as soon as I get information, um, so yeah, let's, uh, we're going to take a brief pause. Uh, I got the coffee dry mouth going. I need something to drink and I'll be right back. We're going to give a little love to uh, NASCAR here this morning. Uh, the sounds of my, of my youth and my teenage years and my early twenties. Uh, Matt Kenseth, uh, was put into the NASCAR Hall of Fame about a week ago. Uh, 50 years old. Kansas raced. Not quite 20 seasons. Pull up ESPN here. 
I want to say it was like 16 seasons, 15. Now it was more than 15. 18 full seasons in NASCAR before retiring in 2020 with 39 cup victories and 20 poles. Uh, now, he's a two-time Daytona 500 winner. I didn't realize he won it twice. I don't remember him winning it twice. I know he won it once. In 09, he won it in 2012, too. Um, but, okay, so let, let's talk about Matt Kenseth a little bit, uh, just briefly, just because he deserves his flowers, and uh, we like to give people their flowers on this show. I, by the, I love that phrase, by the way, and, and you can laugh at me all you want. I know now at 35 that I'm the old guy in the room. I know people still look at me like I'm a young man, and maybe I am. I'm fat, I'm overweight. And I get moody and angry a lot. And I get hangry a lot. Uh, but I'm the old guy in the room because I'm the one that has to constantly Google phrases now. Like uh, that show on Netflix that come out and everybody's talking about no cap this. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? Uh, anyways, so uh, I, I just discovered the phrase, give this man his flowers, give him their flowers. Uh, a few months back, and it was just, you know, basically give them their flowers. They deserve this moment. Celebrate them, everything. And uh, I just think it's cool. So I'm, I've been throwing that into any conversation, not just here on the – anywhere I can in real life. Like, give him his flowers. Like, uh, the other week my dad was talking about something, and he, I'm like, we should celebrate you. Let's give you your flowers. And he looked at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? But anyways, 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 we're rambling. This is what happens when I got no Kurt, man. This is what happens when I'm doing this at seven ten in the morning. I don't have I don't have to be in the office until nine a.m. this morning. So I don't know why I got up this early, but here we are. But uh, Kenseth, uh, I like watching him race. He he raced for years, I believe. What did he drive? The number seventeen Dewalt. Uh, wasn't it Dewalt? It was Dewalt. Yeah, for uh, Jack Roush Roush Racing. Uh, Kenseth said, "Quote." Uh, I always looked at my career as a ladder. You can start at the bottom and hope to climb your way to the top. My ladder has hundreds and hundreds of rungs on it. And without any of them, bottom, middle, or top, no matter how you fit in my life, I wouldn't be here without any of you. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you all. Uh, now, he did win a Cup Series championship in 2003. Uh and I do remember that. That was my freshman year of high school. He was sophomore year of high school. He was just on it, man. He he led the point stand. It says right here, I didn't even need the notes for this. I could have told you. He led the point standings for almost like the second half of the season. It says right here, Kenseth captured the 2003 Cup Series championship behind a dominating season in which he led the point standings for the final 32 weeks of the season. He made the NASCAR. Oh, we don't need that part. Uh, yeah, that was like. Our shop teacher, Mr. Johnson, uh, one of my five favorite teachers I ever had. One of the five teachers that never gave up on me that saw more than a fat-ass, uh, smart-aleck, uh, back-talking little prick. Uh, Mr. Johnson did not give up on me. Uh, we talked NASCAR all the time. Guy hated, Mr. Johnson hated Martinsville. He said, I could do that in my Monte Carlo. He had a, he had a Dale Earnhardt edition Intimidator Monte Carlo. I could do Martinsville and I could do Martinsville in my car. I just, I remember that. It's funny. Uh, but we 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 talk racing. Uh, we come back into school on Monday morning. We talk about the race over the weekend. Uh, Kenseth's going to be, you, you know, that class that Kenseth was with, was, you know, the Jimmy Johnsons, the Jeff Gordons, Kevin Harvick's. Harvick's, Harvick's retiring at the end of this year. It's uh, it's fun. Uh, Kenseth, you might remember, used to like to cause a little bit of trouble. He was on that Tony Stewart type shit sometimes, just starting shit to be starting shit. But at the end of the day, uh, he was a good guy, exciting driver to watch. And uh, congratulations to you. Uh, little buddy of mine, little applause. Congratulations, Matt Kenseth. Here's your flowers. Little shout out on our podcast that you'll never ever hear. Uh, but I love talking NASCAR. And let's move forward. So this next story, this next bit of news here, uh, 
is absolutely fucking crazy. I mean, absolutely crazy. How many of you remember Indiana Hoosier and Pittsburgh Steelers whiteout played in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks? Uh, Antoine Randall L. This is me pausing because I'm in my mind of visually counting hands. So you guys remember Antoine Randall L. Okay. Did you hear about his younger brother, former Wisconsin Badger, Marcus Randall L.? Oh, how the, oh, oh, oh. Let me tell you about Marcus Randall L. So, earlier this week, Marcus Randall L. was convicted of two counts of first-degree homicide and a slew of other charges that dated back to February 2020 shooting deaths of two women. Okay. Now, the story goes that uh, so let me think how to start that. So there's two women, uh, and I'm going to butcher at least one of their names. There's 27 year old Brittany McAdory and 30 year old Sierra Winchester. Okay. Maybe I won't. That is a weird way to spell Sierra. Okay. Anyways, uh, so, uh, I guess the story goes, the the prosecutors in this case argued that Randall L. suspected Sierra Winchester of informing police of his drug dealing because he had been dealing drugs. He, he played at Wisconsin from 2004 to 2007, uh, but I guess, you know, by how we have fallen from being a, a, a you know, Division One star athlete. Uh, anyways, he, he uh, I guess... You know, he suspected this woman was informing police about him being a drug dealer. Uh, so he killed her. Well, then he killed this other girl to eliminate her as a witness to the killing. Uh, now, I guess this case was pretty open and shut because the dur- the jury deliberated for just a little bit under two hours, coming back with a unanimous uh, guilty verdict. Now... Investigators said that they didn't have a murder weapon that directly linked him to the slains, but surveillance footage and the old text messages will bring you down, and that's what tied him to the crimes. Uh, now, Randall's defense attorney argued the state did not meet its proof of burden and called just two witnesses. Now, of course, Randall failed to take the stand, and of course... Uh, when your brother is a former Super Bowl winning uh, wideout, uh, Antoine Randall was at the sentencing. So, uh, I mean, there's really nothing to this story. It's open and shut. So, I just, I want to throw that out there just because that's some, wow, that's some fucked up news type thing. Uh... So, something we talked about so many times this past year, so many times this past year, was, sorry, I got distracted for a minute, (laughs) was the, uh, the pissing contest between the PGA and Live Golf, the whole, that, that, that is what I coined the phrase. Uh, Saudi blood money that I have used repeatedly on this show. Well, we got some more whose theoretical dick is bigger uh, going on with PJ and Live Golf. We all know, and if you don't know, if you've been living under a rock, just Google uh, PGA Tour or, or Live Golf lawsuit as the PGA has brought about a lawsuit against Live Golf. Well, the PGA Tour has now upped the ante on this, and they are now adding basically the Saudi blood money to the lawsuit. What I mean by that is they're they're adding the PIV, the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, the PIV. They are adding the PIV to this lawsuit, as well as the fund's governor, a guy whose name I cannot fucking say, Yasir Othaman Al-Ramayan. We'll just, we'll just call him Yasir. Uh, they're adding this. Now, 
this was uh, filed uh, earlier this week. Uh, it was a motion for relief filed in the district court of Northern California. The attorneys for the PGA Tour have argued that the recently produced documents from Live Golf confirm that uh, the PIF Fund and Yasser have played an active role in causing golfers to breach their contracts with the PGA Tour by joining Live Golf. Now, I'm going to read a little bit of a long quote here from the uh, lawsuit. As set forth in the existing counterclaim, Liv has intentionally and knowingly caused these players to breach their contractual obligations to the tour by misrepresenting tour contracts, inducing these breaches by offering highly lucrative contracts that make it impossible for players to comply with their tour contracts, and providing extensive identification and hundreds of millions of dollars to compensate Liv players for these breaches. PGA Tour attorneys continued by stating, quote, Recently produced documents confirm that PIF and Yasair have played an active role in orchestrating these breaches for their own benefit and are equally liable for the harm they have caused the tour. Now, this goes back to August when several players had been suspended by the tour for competing in live golf tournaments, uh, filed a federal antitrust lawsuit, which we talked about this antitrust lawsuit in one episode this past summer, we talked about it at length, it dominated three quarters of the Weeknight Chronicles episode. Okay, uh, so then uh, the PGA Tour filed a countersuit alleging that Liv's interfered. Now, the PGA Tour's lawyers wrote Tuesday in the motion that Liv Golf, which is being funded by the PIF, was the result of a plan known as Project Wedge, which was designed to, quote, Provide a roadmap to taking over professional golf as part of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia's Vision 2030. Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund is reportedly worth $620 billion, which, you know, call back to just a couple of weeks ago when I did a weeknight. That's how they could purchase WWE. They could buy out Vince McMahon. They've got, they've got the money. I mean, that's neither here nor there. And we got some Vince McMahon news later on playing in this episode. Uh, but... Basically, uh, the lawyers for the tour are alleging that Live Golf's subscriptions and shareholders agreement, uh, which they was able to ascertain through the discovery, which you know is, is a viable part of any lawsuit, uh, is a. In uh, their words, this direct quote: "This is a linchpin which demonstrated that the public investment fund's total control over Live." And established that any live contract with a player requires authorization by the public investment fund. So, basically, and I'm not going to go through this anymore. There's a lot more to this to this article, uh, but it's uh, it's growing every day. Like I like I said in uh, I don't know what episode it was in that I said it in. But this has been one of the biggest stories in sports all of last year. And it's going to continue to keep getting bigger. I don't care how you want me to phrase it, how, how you want to phrase it, what's politically correct, what's not politically correct. This has been nothing more than a contest between whose dick is three, theoretically the biggest, Live Golf's or the PGA. Greg Norman's not backing down. Um, so for those who don't know, Greg, Greg Norman, he's, he's won a couple majors. He's a two-time open winner. He's basically, uh, the face of live golf, even though they're, uh, he's running the show. Uh, he's not backing down and his financial backers obviously have more money than the PGA. They're not backing down. Uh, how long this goes on, how long this continues to go on, I don't know. But there's nothing ever wrong with competition. Uh, look at me getting another pro wrestling reference in. Uh, Eric Bischoff said it best. He wrote a book. Competition creates controversy. Controversy creates cash. Uh the problem is, is that the PGA has been in control of things 
they've been the WWE after Vince bought ECW and WCW for the longest period of time. There was no alternative. Even when TNA was just first getting started, TNA didn't become even close to a credible threat for six or seven years. You're looking at 2008, 2009, maybe. I don't know. Basically, PGA's been the only game in town. Now you've got some, you got the new kid on the block with a lot of money and live golf. And I think it comes down to power. I think it comes down to control. And basically, the PGA does not want anybody in their fucking kitty box. Don't want anybody playing in their sandbox. Does not want anybody taking any piece of the financial pie that they could be taking. Doesn't want anybody taking any press that they could be taking. Uh, and I mean, I love golf and I support the PGA on a lot of shit, but I, I, you know, even though it's the Saudi blood money, man, even if, 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 even if it was anybody fucking else and there was no Saudi blood money, say if, if this was, if this was another P, if I formed, if I formed, uh, we're going to call it Atkins golf. Cause it's my show. If I formed Atkins golf. Right here in small town Ferdinand, Indiana, right here in Dubois County, and I, and I had the money to do it. The PGA would still be shutting. They don't want any competition. This is about control. So, uh, as always, I'm going to continue to uh, say it's enough. I'm going to keep you updated on every single story I'm bringing you. Uh, God, I miss you, puss. Uh, <laughs> So it's that time of year, man. Now we're we're on the we're on the push to March Madness. Uh, a little less than two months to go, and it's about that time of year now where we start talking about the McDonald's All Americans, uh, the game, which uh, we mentioned. I think something about that a, a, a few weeks back, uh, but. Uh, this game. Is uh, going to be headlined by Bronny James and Calipari, man. The Saban of college basketball, even though he don't have as many championships anymore. Uh, Calipari, it, it ain't about Saban winning championships. It's about Saban putting guys in the NFL. It ain't about Calipari winning championships anymore. Fuck, they ain't won one in 10 years. It's about Calipari putting guys in the NBA. Well, this uh, this upcoming McDonald's All-American class uh, is headlined by uh, Bronny James, and there's four Kentucky Wildcats signees in the top ten. Kentucky's got the number one recruiting class coming in. I mean, give yourself, any of you fans out there, Big Blue Nation fans, around here, uh, this part where we're at, around here on the border between uh, Southern Indiana and Western Kentucky. Around here, when it comes to college basketball, everybody's either a Duke fan, they're a Purdue fan, they're an IU fan, they're a Louisville fan, they're a Kentucky fan, North Carolina fan. So that's usually the big ones around here. Um but Kentucky's coming into this. I paid. I paid. I, I paid a little bit more attention to this during this whole off season because uh, one thing Kurt and I talked about last year off air was that we don't cover college basketball enough. We were supposed to do one or two college basketball episodes, and things happen. We'd always call an audible, and I just said, you know what? We've got to start doing more college basketball stuff. So I've paid a little bit more attention. Kentucky, Calipari. I mean. They've got uh, top prospect Justin Edwards. He's going to be the number one. Uh, then they've got the number three with DJ Wagner. And then number four, uh, this kid named Aaron Bradshaw. Okay. And then they also have uh, a kid ranked in the top 20, uh, Reed Shepard. There's all these great kids ranked everywhere, and, and they're all committed. Uh, Duke's got the second record, recruiting class coming into this. Now, what's interesting is 
out of all these kids, and, and if you you can you can find the whole East West lineup for the All American uh, McDonald's All American Games, which will take place uh, in Houston uh, at the end of March. You can find the entire roster online. It's already been put in there. What's interesting about this is there's only one player on this whole roster that is uncommitted to any collegiate university. Do you guys want to take a guess who that is? Well, his father was uncommitted and went on to play in the NBA. That's right, it's Bronny. I shit on LeBron James. From the time LeBron came into the league in 2003, I shit on LeBron James. I shit on LeBron James from 2003 to probably uh, 2013. So, a little bit longer than that. Probably 2000. I came back out around on LeBron after the end of 2014 when he went back to Cleveland. That's when I gave LeBron a second chance. Since then, I've been he's been golden with me. The first 10, first 10, 11 years he's in the league, I called him Queen James, Queen LeBitch. Uh, I've came back around on LeBron. But it's just funny to me that it, if you guys remember, everybody's always talking about where would LeBron have went. Some people said he was talking to Ohio State. Some people said he was talking to Kentucky. So I heard rumors he was going to North Carolina like Jordan. I heard rumors that uh, – Indiana was going to get him. Who knows where he would have went. But Bronny's doing the same thing. And I personally believe that this is going to be a father-son story that mirrors each other. Uh, Because I've been telling my friends for the last two years, which as you guys know, what I mean by two years, is Bronny has really started to come into the sports news in the last two years. His last two years of high school, he's really started to get into. He's always he's talked about in some play. I believe he's gonna put, he's gonna be just like his dad. I believe he's going straight into the NBA, straight from Sierra Canyon. He ain't. He's not going to college. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Fine. I mean, it's it's just I'm I'm just a fat mouth podcast host on a podcast that you know ballparks a hundred, two hundred, three hundred downloads a month, depending on. You know how nice you guys are. Uh, I don't see him going to college. I, I, That's just me, though. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And for the simple fact of uh, the fact that it's Kentucky and Duke, and I like watching Duke play, and I'm an IU guy, but I, 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 tend, to, I tend to root for Duke a lot. Because of the fact that it's Kentucky and Duke, both with the number one or number two ranked recruiting classes, and because it's Brawny, I'll definitely check out the All-Star game, the McDonald's All-American game, like, for show. I watched it in 2003 with LeBron and Wade and Carmelo and all those guys because I'm a huge Carmelo Anthony guy. So I watched it then, so why not watch it? Why not watch it 20 years later? Why not watch this 20 years later? So, I'm going to shift now. To a little bit of Olympic news, you know, the Olympics uh, go down in Paris next year. Uh, So, the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, the governing body for the Olympics, uh, it says that it favors officially neutral teams from Russia and its ally Belarus at the 2024 Olympics. This news comes despite uh, the other day uh, Ukraine being vehemently against Russia and Belarus being involved in the Olympics. Uh, so then after the, a- after the IOC uh, came out and said that they favor this, uh, Russia and Belarus got invites to compete at the Games, uh, at the Asian Games, which is a- an Olympic qualifier. So... Russia typically in the Olympics in the past has competed as part of Europe, uh, but you know it's got a not so good relationship with a lot of those countries set to host the qualifying events. Uh, 
Russia and Belarus have, were barred from uh, all, most all international competitions in Olympic sports following the invasion of Ukraine last year. Uh, but I guess now IOC is like, hey, it's the Olympics. You can't just let people out. So they're like, as long as they're neutral. Uh, excuse me, coffee burp. So I guess now they're going to... I didn't really dig a whole lot into this. I just, you know, wanted to just throw that in there that, you know, there's all this shit going on between these two organizations, or organizations between these two countries, and uh, war crimes and, and all this stuff. And the IOC's like, you know what? It's still the fucking Olympics, so we're going to have to let them in, maybe. So we're going to go ahead and invite them. And, uh, you know, they can compete in the qualifiers. No big deal, right? I mean, you know. Take that for what you will. So I think where I'm going to end the show at this morning is uh, we're going to talk about some uh, southern Indiana local, Dubois County local news, and that's uh, our native son, Scott Rowland, uh, made the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh you know, there's uh, there's four school districts in Dubois County: Northeast Dubois, Southeast, Southwest, and Greater Jasper. Roland, I mean, I, I went to school and I grew up and lived in the Southeast District. Roland, of course, went to Greater Jasper Consolidated School District. Jasper is the county seat of Dubois County. It's the biggest city in the county. For those of you that don't know, uh, Jasper's a town of a population around fifteen to twenty thousand. Last time I checked it on the census a couple of years ago. Right around 15,000, 20,000. That's the biggest city in the county. Uh, that's where Roland's from. Roland made the Hall of Fame. Uh, Scott Roland is the reason I'm a Philadelphia Phillies fan. As we have all know, my, my love for sports is well documented from the early age, and it was the two, lo- the two biggest was uh, professional wrestling and baseball. And I, I joked that pro wrestling was my first love, and it, it probably was, but also it's, it's running neck and neck with baseball. Uh, I was, uh, eight years old, 1995, the first time I heard about Scott Rowland, I was playing baseball, and I realized that this is somebody that lives in my county, uh, he plays for the Phillies, and then I started watching the Phillies, I got enamored in Phillies culture, I became a Phillies fan, I've stayed a Phillies fan, even while Scott Rowland moved to teams around here that most people support, for those of you that don't know our area, uh, everybody in this general area is generally either St. Louis Cardinals fans, because you can be in St. Louis in three hours, uh, Cincinnati Reds fans, you can be in Cincinnati in three hours, uh, everywhere in the country, everybody's got Yankees fans, and of course the Cubbies fans, those are generally the biggest around here. Uh, I, like I said, I watched Roland play in Philadelphia, I became a Phillies fan when I was eight years old, seven years old. That became my team. That's the team I watch. That's the team I, I'm enamored. I'm immersed in their culture. Uh, Scott Rowland. Uh, wow. Uh, you, know, you know, I think about this funny sidebar. Uh, my third grade teacher was Kathy Lewis. Uh, Kathy Lewis's son, Michael Lewis, I believe is the head coach at Ball State or somewhere. Uh, Michael Lewis played in Indiana. We've got a lot of kind of sports stuff in our area. Anyways, not important. I just don't know why I threw that in there. Probably because I'm running on two hours of sleep and I'm sitting here. Uh, I got another hour to kill before I have to actually be in the office this morning for my meeting. Uh, anyways, uh, but Roland would go on to play for the Cardinals, then the Reds. He also played for the Blue... Actually, he made a pit stop for the Blue Jays in between the Carls and Red, did he? Hey, somebody who's a rolling expert, give me give me some intel. Give me some feedback. I know he made a pit stop in Toronto, too, but was that after the Reds, or was that in between the Reds and the Cardinals? Anyways, he's a seven, I know he's a seven, eight, nine-time All-Star. Um, he's... Uh, I know he's won a shit ton of gold gloves. Uh... They won the World Series. He was with the Cardinals when they won the World Series in 2006, so he's a World Series champion. Uh, I mean, I just think this I think this is awesome. Um, before Christmas, so 
at Christmas, I got the kids an Xbox Series X. Paid a shitload of money for that. You guys know how expensive they are. Uh, prior to that, I had an Xbox 360, which I had bought in February of 2012 with my tax money. Uh, I dusted it off this summer just because I was bored one day, and I broke out the last baseball game I had bought. I don't know how long ago this was. I bought MLB 2K13. On there, Scott Rowland was still an active player. I put him on my roster. He helped me win a World Series. I broke it out this, you know, just this past summer. Uh, the point being is just, I loved, what the fuck is that? I love Scott Rowland to pieces. Uh, they call him on the game, you know, one of the greatest third baseman all time. Uh, yeah, I'd put him top five all time. Uh, this is, this is awesome. Like he's going to Cooperstown. The pro, the baseball hall of fame is the hardest hall of fame to get into in the world of professional sports. I don't care about the Naismith Hall of Fame. I don't care about the NFL Hall of Fame. Well, I do care about the NFL Hall of Fame. I do want to go to Canton and see it. I'm just saying, uh, baseball is the stingiest of bastards. It's hard to get in there. So to say that you made it into Cooperstown, to say this little kid from Jasper, Indiana, from fucking Dubois County, made it in to Cooperstown, to the Baseball Hall of Fame, is absolutely tremendous. Uh, a guy that I watched as a kid. A guy that made me a fan of the team that he was on. Because, you know, I discovered baseball when I was five. And when I'm eight, I find out about this player that grew, that was from our area. And he's playing on this team. And I watch these games. And then I get immersed in this culture of this team because of him. And then when he leaves... I still stay watching this team, but I flipped the other channel to watch him continue to play. Uh, hats off to him. Uh, he was a grinder. Uh, always, for the most part, a, a pitcher of what you would want a player to be. Uh, a grinder. A locker room leader. Uh And what's cool is is Roland's comments this week. He said, quote, there was actually never a point in my life when I thought I was going to be a Hall of Fame player. Uh, Scott Roland got 76.3% of the votes. Now, I'm not going through all this because it's sitting right here in front of me and it's a lot to go through. But if but I, I encourage you, uh, I really don't want to go through it, guys. Uh for those of you that wonder how the Baseball Hall of Fame works, it's a process, and I would suggest you do your research. It's still like the NFL where you have to wait five years until your retirement, but even after your retirement, you have to be represented, I think, on like 25% of the ballot to even get considered to be starting to be put on the ballots, to be balloted on every year. It's a whole fucking process with the Baseball Writers Association of America and then you've got legacy players, guys who don't make, and that's the other thing. You got so many chances to get on the ballot before you're like, okay, I guess you're never getting in the Hall of Fame. Well, then they start gotten legacy players that go in now because these guys that should be in the Hall of Fame but continuously never got the percentage they needed on the ballot. What I think's interesting is uh, Colorado Rockies first baseman Todd Helton. I have a shit ton of Todd Helton baseball cards. Love Todd Helton. I love the hair Todd Helton had back in the 90s and the 2000s. Todd Helton was on this list. I think Andrew Jones, uh, Sheffield. I'm looking at this article from the AP. Uh, Beltrain, A-Rod, Manny Ramirez, Omar Vasquez, Andy Pettit. God, Andy Pettit is not in the Hall of Fame yet. Uh, Jimmy Rollins, Mark Burley, Francisco Rodriguez, Bobby Abreu. Kirk Kelly loves him some Bobby Abreu. Uh, I, I just, I just, I just think it's awesome uh, that we've got somebody local that that has made the Hall of Fame, and uh, honestly, Scott, I I know, Scott, I know you're never going to hear this show, and I wouldn't expect to.
I mean, you're the type of guy that supports uh, small businesses, and I know you still love your hometown. Scott, I, I don't expect you to hear this episode. Uh, I don't expect anybody that's in your circle to hear this episode and, and, and tell you about it. What I will say, though, is that I hope just because you're a small town boy uh, and you love your hometown, I hope that you come home to celebrate this. I would I would hope that you would uh, come through Jasper. Maybe, you know, I never go to the Jasper Stupid Fest. Excuse me, the Strassen Fest. I call it the Stupid Fest. I never. I've only went to Jasper Stupid Fest a few times after I had kids. It's 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 a big clusterfuck. It's the biggest celebration in in the county of of all the town picnics and festivals we have for all the towns and cities in the county. It's packed. It's crowded. It's shoulder to shoulder. I hate it. Absolutely detest it. I would come out to the Strassen Fest to see you out there, just thanking everybody and saying, you know, hometown kids in the, the Hall of Fame. I don't know. The last time you've came back to Dubois County. Uh, but I would show up to see this shit. Um, and just congratulations. Uh, <coughs> so. Um, congratulations. You've earned your flowers. You've earned your place in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you're doing good things for baseball and your in your current role that you have for Major League Baseball. And uh Wow. Dubois County made it to Cooperstown. Dubois County, Indiana, made it to Cooperstown, New York. And uh, I think that's that's where we're going to end it. It was just a nice little session just to put a little content out for you guys. A little easy listening, short listening, only an hour long listening. Uh, again, without going into too much detail, uh, Kurt's taking a, a very brief, hopefully brief, sabbatical from the show. Kurt is not retiring from the show. Kurt did not quit the show. Kurt's just got some stuff he's got to deal with. Uh, I'm going to hold it down in the meantime. Uh, I'm going to try to get Ethan involved if he wants to, because Ethan is still part of the show as much as he's contributed, quote-unquote, off-camera, which is really another term for just off the mic. Um, if Ethan doesn't want to get involved, I will um, you know, just do it myself. I'm going to look at the show. I might tweak the format just a little bit with Kurt not here. I'm going to go through some notes, I'm going to start compiling some notes, and I'm going to try my best to do a full-length feature-length episode myself on something. Uh, what's coming down the pipe is uh, the NHL trade deadline and the All-Star break. I'm going to try to get a hold of Tyson. Tyson, I know you're listening to this because you check out every episode. Tyson, we need to do a updated state of the puck. Uh, and I think we should do it with after the trade deadline and at the All-Star break. I think that would be the perfect time to do it. Um, so that going to be a lot of baseball coming this year, whether it's me by myself, me and Kurt and a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try throwing some true crime this year, uh, which I guess in a way we kind of did some true crime with talking about Oklahoma. I'm talking about like murder, death, true crime, like the, who, like the heebie jeebies, hoobie doobies, you know? So, uh, I guess that about wraps it up, fellas. So, uh, again, we appreciate your support. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the Atkins Asylum. Uh, follow our uh, Twitter page. I think it's, uh, you just search it. it I forget Twitter. It's uh, Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. And I want to give a special shout out to our good friends at After Two Beers Podcast. I, uh, I caught the last episode where you guys said that you wanted to do something with us. And uh, we're still down for that. Uh, I know we're supposed to get together every quarter, uh, you know, weather permitting everything. This is about the time of year we're supposed to be getting with you guys from our last visit, January, February. So I'll be in touch. Uh, guys, go give our friends, uh, after two beers podcast, a like and a follow and a listen and, uh, check out Kokomo, Indiana's version of Joe Rogan. the taking it too far podcast with my buddy, Adam Nelson and, uh, and his crew, uh, they are a lovable bunch of fucking degenerates.
let me tell you, a lovable bunch of fucking degenerates. Uh, can't wait for a collaboration with them. And uh, yeah, that about wraps it up, guys. So for uh, Kurt Kelly, I love you, dog. My best friend, my co-host, my tag team partner. For Kurt Kelly, I am Jared Atkins. I hope you enjoyed this uh, brief week morning Chronicles episode. Steel Toes and Scoreboards. And we will catch you next time. Thank <laughs> you.